It's a privilege and an honor to, to pre- thank you, Robert. Appreciate it. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to 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 preach um, at the conference that your life was changed in. You know, I, I was in these seats when I was at the University of Virginia, and um, I encountered Christ here. I experienced the presence of God. It's also a privilege to to stand up in the house um, in, the, in the church that I grew up in. Um, I'm born and raised in this church. I don't know any other church than Grace Covenant, and um, just so thankful to be here. I was kind of emotional. Emotional just while we were singing Break the Chains um, because of my upbringing and, and, and who I am here. So I want to kind of take, a, take a, a short segue from the message and just share this briefly. I only have 25 minutes, so hopefully I can do this in two minutes. Um, I was born and raised here in Virginia. My father, is, as Dave said, uh, Daryl Green, played in the NFL. But before all the NFL and all the glamour, my father was a sinner that didn't know Jesus. And it wasn't until his senior year of college, junior year of college, he left college early, but it is where he encountered Christ. And, and he, he had a child out of wedlock, and he was living in sin, but he encountered Christ, and the Redeemer came and met him. And from there, he came to D.C. of all places. My father's from the hood, Houston, Texas, Third Ward, and he ends up here uh, and meets Pastor Brett, and, and the rest is history, but... but I want to share with you guys today what it looks like to see the chains broken. We sing it. We need to start praising God for what it looks like. So for me to stand in front of you guys today as a believer, though my father had had fallen in many, many areas, was changed dramatically by the power of the gospel. And now I... Can, can stand before you today and say that, that I walked as much as, as good as I could on the path to honor God from a young age. And, and then I get to experience what it looks like to live pure and to marry one woman and to, and to love one woman and to have children and to be in ministry. I just, it's really exciting for me. I don't know if it's exciting for you, but, but to be a part of that. So, um, so today, this morning, I have a short sermon. It's called Good Soil, Point to the Presence, Good Soil. Now, I'm inspired by Mark chapter 4, where Jesus talks about the parable of the sower. We all know what good soil is. We're sitting in it right now. But I want to take a more anthropological approach and show you the visual of what good soil looks like. So we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. Pointing to the presence, Paul addresses the church, for those of you who have it, it's up on the the screen as well. Paul addresses the church by saying, I, Paul, in verse 1, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us in adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise, the glory, of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Father God, thank you so much. 
for the opportunity to be the light of the world. Lord, everyone in this room is called to be the light. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be planted in good soil. Lord, help us to study your word today and get something out of it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I grow up here. I start to play football and get the opportunity to get a scholarship at the University of Virginia. And when I got to the University of Virginia, my phone started to ring every Tuesday. And it was from a man by the name of Pastor Brett Fuller. And Pastor Brett, I don't know if you knew this, but I, was, I, was, I wasn't in the world. I was looking at it, though. I was trying to see what it was like. Because all my life, I grew up in D.C. where we go to dinner and Daryl Green. And they would sign, he signs autographs and then we go to the mall and Daryl Green. And it was for the first time in my life that they were saying Jared Green. I'd never felt that before, but it felt good. <laughs> but Pastor Brett grabbed me and he said, I need, I need to train you. I need to teach you. He drove all the way. And I'm sorry, David Hermes. He had you drive him sometime. I know you're in here. He had you drive him to UVA. But it was all to make sure that the soil stayed good. And, and, and he taught me about the DNA. Every nation, we have a DNA. We're a different type of people. And, um, and we love Jesus with all our hearts, but we're bold and we're spirit-filled. And we're, compa- we're compassionate to others, but we're passionate about Christ and what he's done in our lives. We are a testimony-driven ministry. We believe in the power of God and the word of our testimony. So this is what I was birthed in. And this is what we are in right now. My transition into ministry from the NFL was, was the right fit. It wasn't easy. The only reason it wasn't easy is because of the money. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Everything else, I was all the way in for ministry, but I just didn't know what it looked like financially. I was my flesh. But <laughs> so once I got over that, I, I knew it was the right fit. It wasn't hard to transition. A lot of my teammates and friends asked me, man, how in the world did you go from, from the Oakland Raiders to Grace Covenant Church? But it really wasn't that difficult because it was already in me. They had already put it in me. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 1. I just want to give you an overview of what's happening here. Paul, the apostle, is preaching to the church. And this epistle is a church epistle. So it's the, the foundation and the building of the church, cultivating this church. After being with them for three years, this, is his second missionary, this was his second, uh, second missionary journey when he landed in Ephesus. And Paul writes to the church with much encouragement to be a shining light in such a wild city. And we're going to talk about that in a second. He struggled against opposition. He was imprisoned at least once. And he even feared for his life. His hope was that these believers wouldn't just experience new life, but that they'd establish a new society. Today, we focus so much on the individual message of the gospel, but we often lose sight of the renewed community that we have access to. The book of Ephesians is the, is, is, is the book of the established. It's the established church. But how do we get to that place here in this time that we live? There's three, three things that, that I want to briefly talk about that will help us to keep what these men have built. And we can push it to, our, to the next generation. And we can change our campuses. And it will continue to go. You know, one thing in football, you always have the old veteran that's angry. He's just mad. <laughs> when I was on the Panthers, we had like a few old veterans. And they just hated us. They just look at you with your pink socks and with your 
swag. What is swag? You know, I just, they just didn't like our newness. But I learned in time as we started losing that 2012 season that, that they had built something. And some of them had been to the Super Bowl. And they knew that we didn't understand why we were there. Some of us get excited just to have a jacket, right? Some of us just excited. Man, I'm on the team. But they said, man, you rookies, you just don't understand what it takes to build. So now that I understand what was in their heart, though they didn't, you know, give it the right way, <laughs> my goal is that we don't let these veterans, they're not old, we don't let these veterans down. We have to continue to the generations and generations to come to change the, the world with the power of the gospel. So first, introduction. I want to talk about the three I's, introduction, identity, and intentionality. First, introduction. We all remember how we were first saved when we first met Jesus. Some of us met Jesus in, in this setting, in this conference, and it was radical. Paul calls them saints, set apart. In, in the time of Ephesus, in the time that Paul spent with them, there were a lot of crazy things that happened, and I'm going to go through them now. But they're really exciting to me because I'm praying for this to happen for our generation. Paul, Paul came to men in, in, in Acts chapter 19 and 20. You see some of Paul's time that he dealt with, with the, uh, in Ephesus. And Paul came to some men who were, who were sons of, of the disciples. They weren't physical sons, but they were, they were discipled by John the Baptist. But they hadn't received uh, all of the ministry of Jesus. And he laid hands on them. And after he laid hands on them, they started speaking in tongues and prophesying. And, and the power of God moved on them. It was, it was amazing. It was awesome. It changed their lives forever. It marked them. We also see Paul uh, reasoning in the temple. And, and, and we see him in the, in, in the school of Tyrannus. And, and it says that all of Asia Minor heard the gospel. And this guy was shaking stuff up. Now, this is my favorite one. There was, there was a lot of idol worship. I mean, people, people were living any kind of way. And, and Paul started preaching this gospel, and people started to get saved. They started to get redeemed and denouncing the idols that they were serving. And from that place, the silversmith said, wait a second, I make these idols. You're messing up the, the economy over here. The gospel was changing the economy. And, and from there, when, when you experienced that and the riots that took place, there were riots there's something that you're birthed in. It's a power. You're in the presence of God, and that marks you. We don't, we don't just come together to experience the community of each other. We experience the presence of God, and the community is Christ. And we just happen to be in Christ, and the community is seen in him and through him. He is everything when we're, when we're together. In the hallways, when we worship, when we, when we have conversation, God is here. And we experience that community. Unusual miracles occurred. Paul would walk in handkerchiefs, would fall, people would grab handkerchiefs and pieces of his clothing, and they would go and heal people. People were sick, they, they had diseases, and people had uh, unclean spirits, and the stuff off of Paul was healing people. Do you know what that would be like if it happened here? These people were radically transformed by the gospel. So when Paul speaks to them in Ephesians verse, uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 1, he, he's, he's, he has a common ground with them. After three years of laboring and building this church, they know Paul. He's not just a foreigner writing them a nice letter. They know Paul, and they were, they, he was 
in, in the process of cultivating something that, that would change their city forever. So Paul calls them saints set apart, making sure that they remain set apart. There's a calling on all of our lives to make sure that we stay like Christ and that we don't look like everybody that we hang out with on campus. I didn't say don't hang out with them. I just said don't look like them too much. Paul introduced them to God's presence by example. He fought. He was kicked out of places. He was beat. I believe that he was spit on and cussed at. But his perseverance, his perseverance in in the way that he went through it, administered to them. How many of you guys are able to minister to people when it's your work, when the when the worst times are happening to you? That's when they need to see God. Man, I, I, I'm really blessed to be on this staff at Grace Covenant. I have a brother here named Stephen Law. And I remember when I first joined staff. Now, remember, and I'm still rigid. I came right out of the NFL where you fight people and you argue. And then right on the staff where you say, good morning, how are you doing? Never done that before. <laughs> so so I, I came here and Stephen and I were talking and we were goofing off. And he calls me that night. You probably don't even remember this because this is just who you are. And I want to be like you. He calls me that night and he says, hey, brother, I might have said something that might have offended you. I just want to apologize. I'm like, what? We were joking. But, but that's how deep in the presence of God Stephen was at the time and still is, and it ministered to me. He ministered not by telling me a scripture, not by telling me how to correct my behavior, not by telling me, you know, the gospel. He lived the gospel. And that apology to me did way more for me. I've built, I've built a lot of stuff off of that. <laughs> but you understand you minister to people by the way that you live. And when hardships come, you still minister because everybody's watching. And you can do something greater than anything up here by the way that you live. The church was introduced to the power of the presence of God. As I said before, they saw a revival. Their experience shaped their expression. Their experience shaped their expression. We experience something here. I mean, this is the conference. This is the student conference, whatever we call it. It's the student, every nation, campus, super regional, global <laughs> event that's going to change lives forever, change the campus, change the world, blow it up. Let's do it. Conference. <laughs> but it's not about the conference. It's about the culture. We meet here so that we can change the culture. We celebrate here so we can change the culture. We worship here so we can develop a culture of worship outside. But what we experience in here better shape our expression out there. Now, then he says, he talks about identity in verse 3. Paul reminds them that they've been blessed in the heavenly realm. There's two, th- two thoughts that I had immediately when I, when I looked at blessed in the heavenly realm. So first... So they had, they had the, 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 the goddess, Artemis, that they worshipped. And a lot of these people came from that brokenness. I mean, you know, if you've been worshipping an idol for a long time, like I have, money, fame, whatever it is that you worship, and then Jesus really meets you, and you get birthed into that presence, there's something on you. It's like when, when we sing these songs in worship, you know who you are, and no one else knows who you are, and you know how bad you are, and then they ask you to come up here and get on the stage, but you know who you are still, <laughs> and you're still going through that, working that out, but you're still you, but they ask you to come up here. That's a, that's a humbling experience. <laughs> um, but these people were changed dramatically. They used to worship a, an idol. 
So I think when Paul says heavenly places, he's, saying, he's, he's making the contrast that this is not earthly. All the idol worship and all the, all the blessings that you were looking for on earth, this, this is nothing in comparison to what is in the heavenly realms, what God has stored up for you in heaven. Now, on the, sec, on the, the, the second portion of that is my favorite part. So we have heavenly blessings that we, we, we neglect sometimes. We don't, we don't really... We don't see things from an eternal perspective. I think Paul was trying to get an eternal perspective across to them. A lot of times, we work so hard to help people through things. But how many of you guys know there's going to be another thing coming? It's going to, you're going to continue to find yourself in holes. Potholes, as Pastor Ron said last night. But if you have a heavenly, eternal perspective, then these things are nothing in comparison to the greater glory that's stored up in heaven for us. And we have access to that, and we can experience that on a daily basis. I want to share with you a funny story. I was a freshman at the University of Virginia, and we had something called Freshman Fridays. For everybody who redshirted and didn't travel with the team, you were in this group of misfits. And every Friday at 5.45 a.m., you had to be on the line, on the line. And all the freshmen would come out, yes, sir, all right, everybody good? Nobody's got any earrings in? Don't chew any bubble gum? It was like that. So we get on the line, and they would just take us through an hour and a half of just terrible torture. I mean, it was like, how in the world are you asking me to run a hill, then push a plate, and then leg press 225 pounds all in one set? That's not a set. That's a day. That's a a week-long workout. But they wanted us to do that, and that was set one. And then we had all these other things. And then you had to carry your teammate on your back. Like, what in the world? I don't even feel comfortable doing this. And these, these were the worst mornings ever. And, and this is the greatest story because it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so worldly, but, but it has such an eternal shift once you, get the, once you get the picture. I used to go through these workouts every morning, and I'm a futuristic guy. I'm a dreamer, right? So during the workouts, I said, man, they're killing me. I'm about to break, and I know they want to break me, so I got to look tough. So while they're breaking me, but I'm not breaking, this is what got me through it. I knew that at 7, the workout would be over, and I'd go to my dorm, and I would go to the one class that I had, or if, if that, and then, <laughs> and then I would watch cartoons and eat junk food all day long, and I would experience the weekend and, and, you know, like a regular student, and I wouldn't have to go to the game, and I wouldn't have to do any of that, and that got me through that workout. You, you get what I'm, where I'm going here? I had, a, I had an earthly perspective. <laughs> I knew that, man, this is killing me right now, but I know that I'm going to be in my room watching Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I'm going to be eating, eating Cheetos and Gushers and fruit by the foot. I knew I was going to be all right. <laughs> I want you to remember this story the next time you get into a situation because there's something stored up in heaven for us. Okay, now we get it? Okay, so when you're going through the situations of breakup, financial issues, parents getting on your nerves, whatever it is, <laughs> now you're probably wrong in that situation, but you're saying you're going through it. You tweeted that, so it's true, I guess. So whenever you're going through whatever that is, there's, a, there's an eternal perspective that God wants you to have. So Paul is saying there's, there's a promise in the heavenly realm stored up for you, and you're blessed here on earth because of that. So we can walk through anything because these things are just in the way of my eternal perspective as I continue to go towards Christ. Eternal perspective. They grew up in an environment, or they came up in an environment that was dangerous. You love Jesus, you could die. 
but their perspective was eternal. I have a greater hope stored up for me. And Paul says in Romans 5, 5, that hope does not disappoint. So we don't have anything to worry about because God's got everything under control. So I hope that as we go on through, through class and through work, we could continue to keep our mind on the heavenly blessings and have that internal, eternal perspective. They were chosen, he said, from the start. And this I can relate to, made holy, made holy and invited into Christ's family. Selected by the Father, sacrificed for by the Son, and sealed by the Spirit. Isn't it amazing that, that Paul says that, that he predestined us? He chose us before the foundations of the earth. We're called into this. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And as Paul was, was iterating that to them, there's some, there's some type of faith that I believe was stored up in them when they read this. And they were encouraged. But how many of you guys know that, that life happens? And when we forget who we are, we, we, we do anything. You, you just have that moment where you forget where you are. Or if keeping the real goes wrong, you know, you, you, you just forget who, who you were called to be. But here in, in every nation and in this conference, the goal here, if you, if you leave here without this, then we've missed it, is to be established into this covenant. Not the covenant of every nation, though we are in the covenant of every nation, but the covenant of Christ Jesus. We've been chosen. And now that empowers us to share the gospel and to reach people, to go on a 10-day mission and to reach people all across the world. We've been chosen and we've been bought into the family. Made holy, though we're far from it, by the sacrifice of Jesus. Lastly, intentionality. Paul was intentional about unity. All throughout this book, he's talking about unity and love. Unity and love. Holiness, which is something that we've kind of fallen away from. And I just want to help us to bring it back. Holiness. Watching what, 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 being careful with what our eyes see. Being careful what our ears hear. Being careful what, what we do on the weekend. Because all of our senses are windows to our soul. And when you continue to study and continue to go in that direction, it, it, it seems harder to hear what God is saying. So you're wondering, I can't believe, I can't hear God. Where is God? But it's because we only spend two to three hours a week experiencing his presence. But then we give most of it to the music that we listen to and the shows that we watch. So those things become our, our worship leaders. So as they worship and, and as they lead us in worship, though we, we may not know that they're doing that, we become worshipers of whatever it is that we're after, our senses are taking in. But if you get into the presence of God on a daily basis, as Pastor Brett says, reading your Bible every single day, practicing prayer, and I say practicing because who teaches you how to pray? How do you learn how to pray? You just got to figure it out. Some start with daddy. Some start with father. Some start with... <laughs> There's a lot of different ways to start it. <laughs> but however you find your, your, your prayer language, <laughs> experience the presence. God is first in all things. Colossians 1 verse 15 and, 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 and he's, he's, he's before all things. He's in all things. 
And all things were created in him, and they hold together by him. So he deserves our first in the morning, not Instagram. He deserves our first in the morning, not Snapchat, not Vine. Not, I mean, there's a million now. But he deserves our first. He deserves our first every morning. He deserves all throughout the day, our first thoughts, our first fruits. He deserves everything. So important to have holiness on the forefront of our minds and servitude, to serve in your campus ministry and in your church, to store up great things for the next person to come in and experience that. We're, we're storing up things now for next year. There's an atmosphere that people are going to come into next year, and they're going to experience Christ. We want to we develop an on-ramp for God. I feel like I'm preaching like five of your sermons. It's just the DNA. I just can't get it off of me. I was crying during worship day, and I was like, man, my dad, like, he's a crier. So the DNA is just, I'm like, stop. I don't want to do it, but it's just in me. That's what the presence of the, of the Lord does. It's just when you're in it and you get in that presence on a constant daily basis, and you're serving Jesus, that it just does something to you, and you can't get away from it. I want to close with this. What happens in God's presence is life-changing, groundbreaking, mountain-moving, mind-renewing, Christ-pursuing, healing, revealing, and sealing power. So get in the presence of God and get yours, because I'm going to get mine. Let me pray. Lord God, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to hear from you this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, thank you for planting good soil here. Lord, I pray that we would grow more and more to become like you, heirs to your throne, so that the world would see us as we go out from this room after this weekend. And they would see you. Lord, help us to point to the presence of the almighty God. That we would experience you on a day-to-day basis. And that your power would be revealed across this nation. In Jesus' name, amen.